What is up? I am Miguel Antonio, and this is the Live and Create Podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. And on today's episode, we have Chris Aguirian. Chris Aguirian worked for the KC Star for 21 years and helped launch Inc. in April of 2008, where he put together music promotions and events for them. He has worked with and organizes music for Boulevardia, the Plaza Art Fair, the Kansas City Royals, and so much more. With Nathan Roush of the Record Machine, Chris makes the middle of the map fest happen each year is looking forward to celebrating the upcoming 10th year of the festival. During COVID along with the John K, along with John K at Propaganda 3, Chris produced KC Bands Together, a fundraiser for MMF that raised over $42,000 to help KC area musicians afloat during these crazy crazy times. Chris gets to share his amazing passion for the Kansas City music scene as host of 8160 heard Tuesday nights at 6 p.m on 90.9 the bridge and on today's episode chris shares what drives him to invest and build into so many musical and artistic endeavors here in the kansas city world uh and 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 beyond really we also have a great discussion about the future of music and the steps artists need to take right now to establish themselves in the new music industry and really in in that conversation it gives me even more hope for the future of the music industry so many options out there uh and he also shares the artists that he's been listening to and watching as they apply themselves in this way. It's a great episode. Enjoy. The Live and Create Podcast. It's crazy. I really got lucky and I, I, I'm, I'm fortunate because I was reading through your questions and what, what I think you said, like, what one word do you think represents your what I do? Right. Is that one of your questions? And I think I, so. I, I, that sounds right. Yeah. I have a, a, a list of them on there, but, yeah. but I, I kept thinking <laughs> yeah, about good that. Good job, so Miguel. You I, remember. <laughs> I, I can save that for when you ask it. But um, so I work for Spray KC, which is the nonprofit part of CBD American Shaman. Right. And uh, it's awesome. That sounds pretty amazing. What would you yeah. say would would be the one word out of that for you, though? Because I, I felt like you were well, already going there. The word that you that the fun word is curate. It, it, it's a curate. Yeah. And to, that's a great word to define my life right now, whether it be <laughs> this stuff with my day job or music festivals, or like we're talking about the side hustle gigs that you've played for me all the time is you're curating. You're, you're out there and you're trying to meet and study and find new musicians and now new artists, mural artists, spend a lot of time on Instagram trying to find artists in the Midwest that would work well here for murals. And then that's what's great about having the radio show is it's a great screening device as I'm constantly intaking so much music to find stuff that I think, oh, this would be cool here. This would be cool here. And um, the unsexy word... (laughs) <laughs> of curate is logistics and uh i don't know logistics is kind of sexy though it, it is kind of a sexy word too but, but yeah that, that, that's what so much of it feels like it just a never-ending stream of google docs with a thousand tabs at the bottom uh for each project or venue or budget um but curate's the fun word 
And logistics is probably the more realistic uh, answer <laughs> of how to make it all work. Well, and that's as funny yeah. as I, before the podcast started, we were talking and you were asking me, like, I don't know how you have time to do all the things you do. And you're definitely one of those people that I look at where I'm like, how does he have time to do all those things? Cause you're, you know, I remember when we first met, you were doing middle of the map Boulevardia. You were at the, I think at Inc at the time. Right. Yeah. And doing yeah. all those. And then now you have spray KC, which sounds amazing. Are you guys yeah. doing, uh, do you have anyone videoing that right now? Like capturing yeah. these artists? Okay, sweet. Cause we I was like, man, up. I want to watch, I want to watch this shit. <laughs> yeah. There's some really cool videos out there and, um, we're slowly getting them all back in and he's done several projects for us. Shepa has, and his content's always great. And, um, but yeah, we've got so much crazy footage and then, I take some of that stuff and try to make, you know, TikTok videos uh, nice. and other videos, just content from it and put it out there. So more people learn about us. Where's that but, at? Uh, Is, what's the TikTok handle? Spray KC. Okay. Keep it Spray simple. Spray KC. Yeah. I will check that and out then, right uh, after this. We have an Instagram and a Facebook page. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun and getting to work with really cool artists and also, it was a COVID year. So the students for the most part weren't at school, lots of zoom calls, which made this process easier, uh, being able yeah. to see and work with people. And, um, but it was a lot of fun. That's awesome, man. Now for you. So you have this strong love for art, original artwork, uh, whether it's music or visual, any of these things. Uh, but again, that's the curator side. And, but then the other side is just this business piece that, that flows from you. Like anyone who spends any time talking with you, you, you know how to get down to the details. I'm curious, where did that start for you? Is that something like, even as a little kid, you were like breaking down logistics and breaking down like budgets for people or, <laughs> or did it bite you later on in, in life? That's a good question. Um, you know, when I, I went to school at KU and I had a, I have a journalism degree and after I got out of school, I started working for the star and then I started doing this email concert calendar and I would send it out to people in my direct crew of people an email blast once a month. That was before the word email blast probably was a word. And then uh, <laughs> you're breaking ground. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. But then as people would send me their friends emails, they're like, hey, add this person, add this person. Then I got connected with the music blog here in town and I wrote for them from 05 to 06. OK. And then. And you were still in school at that time? No, no. I was. No. Thank you. Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> Older than that. <laughs> But the um, email blast started while you were in school, if I heard you no, right. No, that was That's when right. I was at the Star, actually. Oh, my bad. I, mean, I, I heard that wrong. I graduated that in 99. <laughs> okay. I graduated from KU in 99. So email blast definitely wasn't a thing when I was in college. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Email I was barely that. a thing when I was in college. But um, so <laughs> journalism degree and then led to the email blast. And that led to you. the blog. And then that's along the way I started doing the concert calendar for the blog and that's how I met I'm in the room right now I'm here at the bridge that's how I met John Hart through a very trying message an email message about the concert calendar they had and and my disdain of <laughs> Celine Dion <laughs> how, how much I didn't like Celine Dion 
and they had a concert calendar and they had put up like the Celine Dion dates at the, <laughs> I guess it would have been the Sprint Center. And my message was something like, why are you guys, who, why do we care about Celine Dion coming to town when so many of these great Kansas City bands are playing concerts? Let's, right. let's give them attention. And then, um, then I hit their radar. And then in 0708, the Kansas City Star worked to launch a new magazine called Inc. Magazine. And the idea of it was to be nightlife, entertainment, music focused. And then I was part of that. And then in 2011, we started the first middle of the map. And then that year was just this snowball of stuff like the Plaza Art Fair, our stage at the Plaza Art Fair started. Our concert series at, at the Royals game started. And then that both those things lasted over a decade. And then other stuff would pop up with sporting Kansas City's concert series and just all these different things around town. And I guess somewhere in that, I must have fallen in love with Google Docs and spreadsheets <laughs> and just started keeping track of all these logistics and stuff. Right. And um, I, I think I learned early on that if you do it right the first time or maybe the second time, at least you can <laughs> use that as a guide. So you're not recreating it every time. Right. Um, yeah. The templates, those help so much in, yeah. in so many things I do. And whenever I don't create one and I've repeated something like seven times, I'm so pissed at myself. I'm like, why, why did you not just put this together from the beginning? Right. And then, you know, just the time it takes to write an original email 40 mm -hmm. times without exactly. sounding like a punk. So now <laughs> it's, I, you know, I'll sit at home and you get these texts from me because I need to book something for someone and it's just copy and paste and it's right. just you know i need this and it's here and it pays this and check in with this person and thanks because you've done it enough now that it needs to become turnkey on both sides for myself and you right because then you know that it's not the song and dance it's a gig i can put it you can put it on your calendar and as a musician if you're not thinking about it's important to think about the music, of course, but the business side of it is, mm -hmm. is, is just as important, especially if you have bills, you have four children right. and uh, you know, now that you're going to make $300 on that night to play for two hours and that you can go book the next day or the day before that and do, do all that. And it's definite early on in this world of my, my working and music things I've, definitely connected the fastest to the other business minded people. Mm -hmm. And um, it's That's funny how, I how feel it, too. yeah, I, like I in, in each band that I work with, there's usually one person that I grasp onto faster because something in that person says to me, we aligned business thinking wise. Right. And then there's also a lot of bands that, I don't have a great relationship with maybe, or haven't worked with a lot. I shouldn't say don't have a great relationship with, but I haven't worked <laughs> with a lot that I've tried to connect with in that same headspace and maybe failed. Gotcha. Um, which I guess is good and bad. bad well, that's, to, not, yeah, I don't know. 
Well, I think that's huge insight though, because that's what I found even as like run with it started touring, like the, the rooms we'd find ourselves in and, and all the networking, all that. It's like, I would tend to gravitate towards like the managers and the agents and, and all the people who are thinking about that business end and, and realize like, you can love the music. You can love it with all your heart. Like these are the songs that I've, I'm crafting. And like, I cried to over my guitar, <laughs> but it, at the end of the day, if you can't find, if you can't build that foundation of the finances, you can't build the foundation of the business. Like no one's going to ever hear that music or, or you, you guys are a great example. Music, so. You and your previous project run with it are a great example of doing it right. And I've, I've talked about that on my show or on a panel or somewhere. I, I mentioned that because you guys had a brand, you had a brand and it was very, it was very forward and you lived that brand your social marketing is is on point. And then you go to one of your shows and I would see people and I'm like, who the hell are these people? Like, where do these people come from? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I remember I saw you at the opera house once. Yeah. In the river market. And there's like families of six people there and like kids eating ice cream. Like, how the hell are these people here? <laughs> I remember what but, you said that night. I, I just remember going, you, what? how did you say it? Oh yeah. You go, wow. You got quite a lot of people in a very, very strange room. <laughs> oh, that room is <laughs> It is a weird, the, it's like a 12 foot high stage and it's like a drawbridge I, stage. I died yeah. laughing when you said that. <laughs> but I mean, that's what you guys d did so well. Cause you had a brand and you realized that we need people to come to shows and you probably like to eat food and like to pay your rent and have clothes on your kids and, you guys are a fine example of that. And so is somebody like Enrique of making movies that. Yeah, they're killing it. He knows what he can do locally and does that. And then he can go out and play solo shows sometimes and does that. He started a nonprofit. Yeah. Which is awesome. He was teaching guitar lessons via Zoom or derivatives while he was on tour. And he's been able to find and carve out so many different ways to be his brand of Enrique Chi and of making movies right. that that's what you have to do. And if you want to make this uh, your life. Well, and it's interesting, you know, hearing you say that it was when you said logistics is not a sexy word earlier. And I was like, you know, maybe it is because and, and to be fair, maybe it's just the circles I'm running in, but the younger and younger artists that I meet that are coming up, like they want to talk about business where honestly, a lot of people like I'm older, I just turned 41. A lot of the people my age group and a little older, if you talk about business, it's almost not cool. You know, it's like, oh, right. that's not real rock music. You're, you care about the money, but it's like the younger and younger generations. It's exciting for me to talk to them because they're like, okay, how did you do this? What, what are you like? Do you have templates? Do you have these things? Cause it's almost like, I don't know what it is, but somewhere along the lines, word got out that if you want this shit to happen, like the record companies are are not going to help you. No one gives a shit and you're going to have to build it yourself. And and maybe it's just the way the industry has changed where the dream of of getting signed by some random person that saw your band play to five people like that dream, that bubble got bursted. Right. I don't know. But but yeah, it seems like so many more artists are that minded. Like, of course, you have some artists who are just like, you know, I just want to play to my friends in my basement. But overall, I guess I've been pretty excited about the people I'm meeting and younger and younger artists where they're like, yeah, 
let's logistics is just as sexy as curation <laughs> to them. Yeah. Well, and I think too, there's a young musician that's from here uh, named, uh, his real name is Parker Beta. He plays out under the name PM Beta. Nice. And he's like 21 or 22 years old. He was on my radio show and he was like 16. <laughs> and awesome. um, he just got signed to Megan the Stallion's management company called 300. Damn. Okay. If you go to his Spotify, his newest single has got like 300,000 plays. That's awesome. What is it again? PJ? PM Beta. PM Beta. PM B-A-T-A. Beta. All right. And he had a feature with this musician named Dream. And it was getting over a million spins a day. Damn. But he hasn't ever played a live show. No shit. (laughs) And the same thing yesterday. This kid was on Ellen. And he's from Blue Springs. He has he's from Blue Springs. He has over five million monthly listeners a month on Spotify. And his name is. Anson Sayabra. Okay. He's like 23, 24 years old. Isaac Flynn of Hembry put him on my radar. He sent me a text one day. He's like, do you know who this guy is? And I have no idea. And on his Facebook page, it's him sitting on the front lawn of the Nelson with his like legs crossed with a photo of the shuttlecocks. And, um, but you got to be sneaky to get those pictures, man, because they got speakers. They're like, get get away from the shuttlecocks. <laughs> We've tried but it before. So, They're like, go. <laughs> but so that, that he texts me that like a week, a week, and then a, a week later, I'm watching Grey's Anatomy with the wife, and the opening title sequence to the show. I, I shazam everything I hear on that show because it helps me get through that show. But um, <laughs> opening song is Anson Sayabra from Blue Springs, Missouri, That's who I amazing. still can't find if he's ever played a local, ever played a concert. Right. But he lives off of placements and sinks because he crushes it. That's amazing. He has a lot of merch and it just, it's this brand. And I think hmm. that uh the logistics that me and you work in as now you you doing booking and promoting shows right some of that stuff is lost on some of these kids and another <laughs> like example, why would you do that i'm i mean i'm banking right. why would from you play my, out my fucking studio <laughs> uh locally uh, again uh the black star kids they've played like three concerts ever okay the last concert i saw before lockdown was the their show at Revolution Records behind the stage at Grinders. Okay. And then uh the guy from 1975 found their music, nice. signed them to his label. No. And bad. now the Black Star Kids, they're going out in September with Group Love. Uh they're out with them for six dates. They're playing the Laurent show yeah. and then six other shows. They're playing Lollapalooza. They're playing and then they're going out this winter with Be Bad Doobie. They're gonna be Not with her. Me. You got all these at, lists um, <laughs> at the Truman. Be Bad Doobie played uh-huh. middle of the map uh, when she was 19. She's a British Asian musician and uh, she has a song on TikTok that blew up and it has over a billion, billion spins <laughs> on Spotify. That's uh, amazing. I'm going to pull it billion. up right now. 
Yeah, I'm gonna pull it up so I I know I'm not I'm not <laughs> misrepresenting. And so yeah, a billion one that's hilarious. Thirty one million song spins, and this is the song you're gonna know it. <laughs> this is her. You've heard this on TikTok. Oh yeah, that's her. That's Be Bad DV. That's awesome. Hold on one second. I realized I didn't plug my computer in and it's about to die. Sure. Another musician named Claro played middle. Uh And Claro is another person who's got just millions and millions of spins on Spotify now. Wow. And uh, she just put out a new uh, single and Lord put out a new record. And they are featuring on each other's songs. Okay. All produced by another middle of the map musician named Jack Antonoff. Oh wow, that's you a know Jack great, Antonoff. Yeah, <laughs> he's produced everything. <laughs> Bleachers and was with fun. Taylor Swift and yeah, but he did the Taylor Swift record. <clears throat> he did Saint Vincent. He's done everything. That's amazing, and that's so offline. We were talking where about the idea of like the future of the industry, and so one mm-hmm. like coming out of the pandemic and researching just like history and like the last like Spanish flu and then how the twenties, the roaring twenties came after that. And then looking to see how everyone's just hungry now for live music. It one, I think some of the most creative things are going to start happening now because I I've noticed people are hungry for live music, but also original music. They want something new, something fresh. Um, But even here you're talking about just how, how the industry has changed so much. And I think the digital age like ramped up like crazy, not just Zoom, but like you're talking about people who aren't even playing shows, which usually is the lifeblood, but now they're making a huge living. Like I'm curious for you, what are the things that you see for the future of the industry at large? And uh, and what are your hopes or dreams for it as well? Well, like you were talking there before I answered that, I guess, but the hunger part, we did this event three weeks ago in the West Bottoms. Spray KC was part of it. The Strawberry Swing was part of it. And um, we had 50 makers with tents. I had four muralists. We had three bands. We had the Grand Marquis play early. And then we had Jessica Page play with Kadesh Flow. And so when they play together, they each do their own sets. And then they also do stuff together. And when we booked it, it was a gig. And if you are a musician, you know the difference between a gig and a show. Yes. <laughs> and these, this was a gig. You know, it was a decent paying gig too. But what happened was people hadn't seen a band for 15 months or 16 right. months. And we had some chairs and some places to sit. And people sat down or stood there and they listened and they took photos and they took videos. And they came by the side stage and like, who's this band? And they asked about buying merch. A few people even literally put money on the stage for the bands. <laughs> That's but amazing. It was this, this need for people to connect again with music. Hmm. And coming out of this, if that's part of the Roaring Twenties, that's awesome. And then something else we've seen, you know, I, I help out with the bridge on underwriting the same way that I worked for the star and I sold advertising to the concert venues, these ticket counts 
for some of these early shows announced, things that should do fine were just nuts. Like right. Machine Gun Kelly out at <laughs> Azura Amphitheater. Last time he played here, it was against, <laughs> it was the same weekend of Boulevardia because I remember driving down to Boulevardia past the Midland and I saw the kids camped out waiting to get in the Midland. Right. So that's a, you know, 3,000 people room. And then he's one of the first concerts announced post-COVID lockdown. I can't say post-COVID because it's still COVID. Right. But post-lockdown. And it sells like nuts out at Azura. And then another person, Glass Animals, is another band that does well here, but has no business playing an 18,000-seat amphitheater. Comes off the bat, just crushes. Bill Burr, the comedian Bill Burr, going to be out at Starlight. And, you know, it almost sold out on the day of the on sale. Wow. And like in our world here at the bridge, the Avet Brothers, that show sold more on the day of the on sale than it did last time they came through. That's amazing. And that's the thing that we are seeing. And I don't know how long there has to be some metrics on that, like how long people will have enough money to buy tickets and not just money for tickets, but like if you and your wife want to go to a show, you probably got to get a sitter and then you want it to be a special night. So then you'll go to dinner. Right. And that stuff. The get Uber Cause you want to have drinks. Yeah. You got, like you right. got all exactly. the things. Yeah. So your, your show going night, isn't just the money for the ticket. It's all those other things. And that is a whole other show you could do on the ecosystem, the economics of a concert industry. Yeah. That it's not only providing money to the band and the venue, but to the restaurant you go to, the Uber you take to get there. The Well, it's just like the artists that, that won't play cities. Kid. They won't play cities unless you have so many hotels and so many restaurants and those kind of things. Like, I mean, yeah. we're talking like U2 level, but like there's some artists that literally, if you don't have the infrastructure to support them coming to the show, like they don't do it. And did that's you, crazy. Did you yeah. see Garth Brooks sold 74,000 seats in an hour? That's insane. At Arrowhead. That shows like the second week of of August or something. Wow. 74,000. So the business side though is showing the the desire for people. I know Hank Hank Weedle was talking about that as well. He's seeing people who would sell like 200 like at most, you know, selling a thousand like right out the gate. Yeah. And he's like, "What the hell? Well, I think this is great." <laughs> a lot of people, especially our friends, musicians, were really hit hard by the pandemic. Right. But then I, I still remember, you know, and I mean, working as both of us are booking acts all the time, some musicians, it's hard to get a date right mm-hmm. now because they're full. Like I was chasing down uh, Alexis Barclay, the uh, Brothers Barclay, which is him and Chad Brothers. They're like, yeah, our first available date is in November. I'm like, wow. what? And <laughs> it, those are great problems. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if it those are the Thursday, Friday, Saturdays of the world, and I understand that yeah, uh, it, it's hard to live on three days a week. But um, 
And when you get out to the coast, you can play Tuesday nights and stuff. Yeah. Out in the Midwest, a Tuesday night show doesn't always go so great <laughs> unless you're. That was what like, was huge. fun about uh, Make Music Day, June twenty first. Was it was the first year it had been re- or recognized here in Kansas City. It's been going on in in around the world and started in France in the eighties, but for the first year ever, it was here in Kansas City. It was a. It will always be on June twenty first, but that happened to be a Monday. And it also happened to be 74 degrees that day <laughs> and it crushed and there wasn't a lot to compete against on the calendar. Cause it was a Monday. Right. But then I was able to get some musicians to be part of that event who are usually really busy, like Nicole Springer or Lily B moonflower because their Fridays and Saturdays are stacked. Right. And they're like Monday. But, yeah, I could do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. They got time for, on a Monday to go do whatever you want. Um, so that was a cool event. If if that's not on your radar, let it be next year. Make Music Day, June twenty first. June twenty first, Tuesday next year. Nice. Yeah. Blown up that Tuesday. It'll be awesome. Yeah, massive Tuesday. What are what are some of your hopes for the next year or two as you're dreaming about uh, music? When and maybe let's just talk about Kansas City specifically because sure. I know that's your your first love there. Um, my it would obviously obvious it would be awesome if that that love that we've seen that I saw at that event when the gig became a show, if that could last. Mm. Um, and then I, this stuff about talking about PM beta and Anson Sayabra, they are from here and, you know, let that continue too. like that stuff that is, they're not playing live shows, but it's awesome that they're making it and, have a living off of this. But I think some of that becomes that younger generation of people wanting, not even wanting, they just know that stuff. TikTok isn't a foreign thing to them. Twitch is not a foreign thing to them. They know how to do that right. stuff where, you know, you said you're 41. I'm, I'm a little older than you. Like that stuff that people even 10 years younger than us don't want to engage in. Right. But just because you don't want to doesn't mean that it's not crushing it for some of these people. Exactly. And it'd be awesome to see more people that want to grow like that engage in that. And you guys, as Run With It, were so good on Snapchat. When that Snapchat was, was, yeah. He was killing when, that. <laughs> in, in, in Snapchat's infancy, every show you went to that you guys played, you had that Snapchat QR code to scan. Yeah. I that think was he super helpful. wore it. Didn't he have it yeah, on a we, shirt or something? We actually went to South by Southwest and played, um, what did we play down there? Uh, Shangri-La, the Mid-Coast, Mid-Coast Takeover. Takeover. And yeah. we spent the rest of the time just walking around South by Southwest with the Snapchat shirts on, uh, having people scan it and just meeting people. And it was, it was a blast because actually there's a while people were thinking we were representing Snapchat <laughs> because wow. we had that. And we had stickers and everywhere we went on tour, we would slap them on. Like we would get, we'd slap them on like light poles and in the subways. And we would all, all the time we get people snapping, like found your sticker on the subway or found your sticker in Chicago. And right. uh, yeah, it was, it was great. It definitely was. And I think TikTok is in the same spot where Snapchat was at the time for us and uh that's and it's and i wonder what'll be next too what you know what's the next thing coming up yeah who i have no idea what it is i don't know but um it's 
it'd be great to see people that want to grow like that to to engage in that. And I understand too that there are so many great Kansas City musicians that are Kansas City musicians. They like to play here, they live mm-hmm. here, and they're not looking to go out and tour. And I, I'm I think it's awesome that if this town can support that, if yeah. there's enough ways, if there's enough different ways for that type of an act to gig and sustain those people. You know, I think we see a lot of that in the the jazz community, and right. the jazz jazz has almost become a bad word. Uh, free fusion music or whatever people <laughs> want to call it, that genre now, um, but I I hope that it continues. And as we've seen here in the late stages of COVID passing, if that love and drive was still there, you know, it's it's hard to separate it when you're here at the, I'm sitting in my, at my desk here at the bridge and the, this building is so passionate about it. The bridge listeners are so passionate about it. And the supporters are so passionate about Kansas city musicians and going to shows and whether that be at crossroads, which is now called grinders or at knuckleheads or lemonade park or calling into the show, the station and giving money. Cause they know that the trickle down is to support local music Right. But when you get out in the suburbs and there's cul-de-sacs and chain restaurants everywhere, those are the people that we need to better engage. And I understand there's a thousand distractions, just like yourself. Mm -hmm. You've got four kids and you're up at 5 a.m. every day working out. I was. I was. (laughs) You will be again soon. Probably at some point. (laughs) But uh, there's a lot of distractions to keep people from the arts but every once in a while it's nice when those the other people who don't live in this world engage in this world right and uh that's the support that we will always need um well that's uh i had a interview with rachel loveless her her uh, episode drops i think in a few weeks from now i'm a little back recovering from the hospital i just kind of put some things on pause. So I'm, I'm behind on getting episodes out, but her, she, we had a great interview and that was one thing we were discussing is like to, to grow uh, Kansas city specifically, we felt like artists really have to figure out how do you connect with people who are not artists? Like your fans really can't be other artists because all of us are working. Like we're, I can't have all my, my musician buddies come see me on a Friday because they're all hustling somewhere else too. They're right. on the road or playing shows, whatever. And it's like, how do you get the engineers? How do you get the accountants? How do you get the cul-de-sacs, those things? How do you connect with them in a way that brings value to where they will get the babysitter? They will, you know, get the Uber and come in and, and watch a show at Lemonade Park or watch a show at the Rhino and those kind of places. And, and I don't, I don't know if we had a ton of great answers. Her, she said for her, she's a bartender as well. And so that's helped her make connections with people who wouldn't typically be in the music world. Uh, But yeah, that's, that's what I wonder, like, what do you think artists can do to cultivate that, to reach outside of that world? I, I had this great conversation after a silly gig one night. Um, There's a place called Sky Zone. Yeah. Uh, a, a trampoline gym. And the guy there really liked music and he wanted to book a bunch of bands. And That's awesome. <laughs> but again, what it did was it was it was another revenue stream for the bands that didn't take away from their existing hustle. 
and it was a new audience of people. Right. And um, so one night after the show, I had Enrique making movies played out there because you're playing to kids. That's what you want. You want 14 and 13 year olds to know your name and to follow you on Instagram. And right. Because that's when music's your life, like absolute life, you know? Yeah. So after that night, um, me and Enrique were sitting in the green room, which was like a birthday party room. And um, <laughs> he said it. It, it, it will always stick with me. And he said the one thing he noticed from when in making movie shows went from 10 people coming to 100 people coming. Is songwriting mm. and how his songwriting got so much better in that that period of time and now you know his songwriting is is so on point yeah and then in the time of coming out of a year of so much civil unrest and political things their songwriting gets even more on point and then their live show gets even better and better each time now they're you know they sell out wherever they go play and they had a gig in the november right before covid they played in Mexico city to like 10,000 people. And yeah, you know, now they've created all these amazing pro all this amazing programming and have a nonprofit. And that started with songwriting. That's interesting. And, and one thing I, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, no, go, you jump. Oh, uh, well, it, what, what struck me and what you said, especially knowing Enrique's story, watching them, you know, over this last decade grow what they've grown one thing I've noticed, it's like they know exactly who they are now, like absolutely know. And it, it comes through, like you said, like in their songwriting and in their pictures, in their videos and when they talk. And it just it's and so in a way, I almost hear you saying it's maybe not necessarily like learning how to reach out. It's almost as an artist, you need to you need to grow in knowing who you fully are and let that come out of your writing. Is, is that, yeah, is that I think correct, that's do you think? I, I do think that's it. And I've had that same conversation going a little farther into just editing too. Like I've had that conversation with Enrique and Isaac from Hembury and Madison Ward from Madison Ward and the Mama Bear. You know, so many of our friends' bands are handcuffed to very small budgets. Mm -hmm. And so you write a song and you get excited about that song and then you find the way to get in the studio to record that song and that song is your baby and you have that one project that one song yep then if you talk to somebody like isaac who has a publishing contract and has a record label contract and you talk to him and you realize that he's written 70 songs to put out a 10 song record exactly there's a lot to be said about the power of editing. Oh yeah. And I know that not a lot of bands and not that, you know, Henry's not crushing it there, but if they're building something great, exactly. though, that's connecting. And this and, yeah. New record they have coming out is just phenomenal, but they get song placements mm -hmm. and they get tours. They've toured Europe and they didn't pay for it. And that's nice. <laughs> that's the stuff like, but I think that that has something to do to be said about songwriting and editing. Mm -hmm. And then people find you if it's the right product there. Right. And it's like that answer to say, kid, like 
he has never played a live a low a, a show a concert that I can find anywhere. Right. But he has all these placements like on Grey's Anatomy. And if you like Grey's Anatomy and you've heard a song there and then it gives you that moment of time again when you go back and listen to it on Spotify, he gets money for that. And then he has all right. this merch. And then that you that becomes success. That's mm-hmm. the image of success. And he's on Ellen yesterday. Well, and that's a great picture, I think, of reaching out past just the musician folks you know it's like greeting committee uh they're in uh to all the boys i love before some yeah. some shit like so the, my Massive. wife my yeah. wife loves that like whole series and yeah, i'm sitting here watching it with series. her and i'm like hold, hold up hold up that's the greeting committee and she's like what i was like that is the greeting committee and they're like playing there and but what a great picture of like you know, my wife would be in that demographic that, you know, she's a suburban mom of four. Like she doesn't go to like clubs every night, like to check out new bands. But right. all of a sudden in a movie that she's connected with on Netflix, boom, there's the greeting committee and and they sound amazing and they got this vibe. And it's like, oh, now now they've grabbed somebody outside of that normal world. Of Well, and too, like that placement wasn't a normal placement. That wasn't just a song in the background. They played three songs live at a party right and the main character <laughs> of yes the main character of the movie i only watched like 30 minutes of it till their part was done but the right, main character right. of the uh-huh. film tries oh. <laughs> to make their song become their love interest song yeah like their That's, song it's part of the movie <laughs> you can't buy that yes and I'll, I'll say this too like as we sit here and we talk about making movies going out and touring and the greeting committee going out and touring and having mm-hmm. this placement Radke's on rock. Oh, geez. They're, they're out with it. Foo Fighters. They're out. They're playing Lollapalooza talking about the black star kids going out with group love and be by doobie and getting signed by the 1975 label. I'm getting chills every, hearing about this. This is awesome. <laughs> every, every time something good happens to a Kansas city band, it raises everything. Yes. It makes Kansas City better. That's why I get so excited because it's like ignition, man. It's the ignition that everyone else, I think, can feed off of. It's just all that stuff makes us better. Mm -hmm. And I know some people can sit back and be pissed that, well, why didn't my band, you know, and and I don't know why, but if it was maybe that makes you work harder. Maybe that makes you write better. Maybe that makes you take vocal lessons. Mm -hmm. And I know that that can be a bad word to some people, but some of the best musicians, best vocalists in the world are still taking vocal lessons. Right. Some people. Like I have my degree in voice. Like that's really? put a lot of time into that, <laughs> to try to figure that out. And I still like look up shit to like learn more and more. Just, I don't have right. time for lessons per se, but I'm still trying to grow in that. And like songwriting is the same thing. You got to keep learning. Like I'm learning a Beatles song right now, just, for one, I'm playing it in a funeral uh, on Saturday, but also like trying as I'm learning, it, it's like, OK, how did they craft it? What made it so special? Asking those questions, I think. But man, like there, there's a book called Talent Code by Daniel Coyle, and they talk about hotbeds of talent uh, that they study throughout the world. And that's one of the things they identified is this idea of ignition. They did it in sports and music and mathematics is what they studied. Mm-hmm. And the idea of ignition, it's like. When, for example, Brazil, they studied Brazil uh, with, uh, I think it was Pele that came out of there at yeah. first and how that ignited so many young kids 
in Brazil to like put more energy, more effort, because now they know him, they saw him. I can do that too. And I think that's what, you know, hopefully that's what cultivates in the arts here in Kansas city as well. Instead of like the, I, and I, you see it, the hatred or the, the hating, not hatred of just like, why did they do it? And we didn't kind of thing, but hopefully it's more of like, look, you can do it too. Like you fucking had drinks with that dude, or you had lunch with those people. They like you, you played in bands with some of those people. Right. You, you could do it too. like learn and grow and keep fucking hustling and keep going, you know? And that's why it is exciting to hear you say all that. And then even Radke, Oh my God, like to have Dave Grohl <laughs> say those things about them in that. They're in his movie. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> then they get to go open for him for six shows. Is your yeah. something about to die? Yeah, I'm, I'm so I didn't do any, I haven't done any interviews in a few weeks. You're my first one back and uh i just apparently was not fully prepared having all my shit together like normal um hold on is this studio at your house yeah this in my basement during the pandemic we moved out of like we were more kansas city-ish and now we're up in the middle of nowhere and a little smaller place there we go um, but there's a lot of space, had like a little half acre for the boys to run around in all that kind of thing. Oh, wow. So it's kind of nice, but, but yeah, man, that's, that's cool. And that's my hope is to see that continue to grow as Kansas city grows population wise. Sure. Um, I think maybe it could support uh full-time artists, even within the city itself. I know for us, we found we had to, you had to tour, you had to travel. Right. Um, but even like you said, now this whole new world, um, of licensing and all that like there's there's a lot of possibilities for people yeah. it's awesome. another cool thing that's happened a couple of ways um i really like how the greeting committee at their sold out show at the truman and their sold out show at the uptown theater invited all these other musicians on the stage jessica page was up there singing back up crystal rose is up there singing back up and on stage joe mckenzie was up there on stage uh, Rachel Mallon was up there once and just they're trying to get the other people in the audience that love their music to love their music. Absolutely. And then this just happened. Tech nine is on the new Samantha fish album. Really? That's and awesome. <laughs> Samantha fish is originally from here. Now she lives in new Orleans and tech nine is still from here. But I mean, two of the biggest guns we have are now on this on, on her new record. That's brilliant. And uh, the record's not out yet. We're playing one of the, the the single from the record. I think we're playing one new song every Thursday here on the bridge until it comes out. Probably when this will air, it'll be out. But right, I love that kind of collaborations because it's pushing everyone forward. Right. And um, you know, like you what, was your word to use injection? Was that what you uh, said? Ignition is ignition. is the word from ignition. that book. I, I, I like that. I should probably look into this book, but I like yeah, the idea. It's a great book. It's sparking this thing and then everyone becoming better for it. Right. You know, and when uh, I think it, it's a thing too, where you start to see like, yes, it gives you that idea. Like I could do this, but you also see like the level, you know, like when you see making movies from 10 years ago to the level they're at now of execution, right. like even back then they were killing it, but you see them now it's like, Oh damn. 
Like, yeah. okay, that's where we have to go. Here's the work you have to put in on your craft, well, on who you are, on your brand. Yeah. <laughs> and you said too, like their photos, every photo you see of anyone in that band, <laughs> they all look like rock stars. Right. And that's a brand. And that's, you know, I know Hembry, they're getting ready for this record to come out in early 2022. And they were all just together. So they spend a week and they film four videos. They shoot a thousand photos and they make that content so they can put that content out over the next year. Right. It's not as a musician, you're not waking up like, what am I going to shoot today for my Instagram? If you're just planning ahead, just have it all done and then putting it up along the way just to be content, to stay in front of your people. Um, because that's what it is. And I, I like what some bands have done. Lava Dreams, they have been releasing uh, a single at a time, one single a month. And that's how they want to release music. They want to be top of mind. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to release one song a month. And then they send it to people like me at the station. And then I'll play that single that month. And instead of them putting out a record in April and me spending it one time in April, they're putting out 12 singles and maybe they release it at the end of the year as a record, but I'm going to play it 12 times. I'm going to play each song because it's new to me and I'm Mm -hmm. always looking for new music to play on the show. I like that way of thinking and uh, to build something like that. Even Bob Walkenhorst, who has a a following that, that he does well for himself with Mm -hmm. he released 12 songs on an album that he's did entirely for um what's that program where you can support people once a month as patreon patreon he released a song uh 12 songs on patreon and then he took those 12 songs that he released there to his followers and made a record from it and now everyone can hear those songs it came out on on his birthday on June 1st. And it's a great record. And I didn't know that. And the art of curation of a record where a track goes in front of another track Mm -hmm. is a dead art. It's lost. And I was telling him how I love how the the story flows from song to song. And then he's like, oh, that's crazy because I just put it together from my Patreon page. (laughs) And I was like, I'm like overthinking this to death. Like, oh, this is such a good song placement. And like there's horns on this song and there's violins on this song. And it was just this. He's like, oh, yeah, that just kind of happened. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. And that's happy accident. Yeah. Release wise, it's you know, that's that's one reason I'm re-releasing the run with this stuff as I get started on my solo is I didn't feel like a lot of the tracks beyond the first one got, got its, its fair chance. And now just doing it as singles, because in reality, it's like, yeah, you drop an EP, uh, you drop a whole album or even an EP. It's like, they listen to the first one, maybe the second one. and, And it's like, unless you're, you know, double album like Ed Sheeran or something. Nobody's like trying to listen through <laughs> all your stuff. But if you can keep something in front of them in a fresh way, uh, it seems right. to do better for a lot of artists. And well, and yeah, even uh, him, he releases singles and features. That's true. And uh, if you like, uh, obviously, I, 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 I think I actually did see him play a concert once he opened for Snow Patrol at the Uptown, I believe. Nice. And I would have been pretty at that early show. on. 
yeah, I don't remember him, but um, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of his. But if you watch an interview with him, he's a pretty cool dude. He seems pretty and, cool. Uh, yeah. If, you, if there's a show called Hot Ones, and it's a it's a interview show on YouTube, and the interviewer, you eat crazy hot hot wings. I love that show. <laughs> I love it too. And he was just on there uh, in uh, the first part of July, and uh, he's just a good dude. And but yeah, he's not even releasing giant records. He's doing all these singles and feature spots, but his features are huge with. You know, he can sell out Arrowhead with his acoustic guitar. Right, which is nuts. And actually hold it down. That's what grabbed me with him. I saw like a, it was, PBS was airing. He played at a place that was about the size of the Midland. And so it was, again, fairly early on. And just watching him with one guitar, that's where he won me over. I was like, It's it's not even a full-size guitar. It's like like a baby guitar. Yeah, and he makes it, he has the full band. And then he started rapping. I started laughing at first, kind of like, (laughs) I'm like, oh, shit he can actually rap too <laughs> i'm like he talked about that happening? on hot ones he talked about how in hot ones he got his first start playing open mics that were like hip-hop open mics that's awesome and i'm like what you're doing and then you know he's he knows the room is laughing at him he's this scrawny skinny white ginger right like super punchable face and <laughs> yeah and, he, and he's but like, yeah, works. whatever, watch. <laughs> and, and now he's probably like a, a quarter billionaire. So, yeah, something like that. And yeah, he it definitely won me over. And his stuff, I love rap music. And when he does uh, features with like grime artists or even like he did one, he, he said he walked backstage one night and he saw Eminem and uh, 50 Cent back there for some reason i forget where they were and he was like yeah. hey guys i'm actually working on a song you guys want to do it and that song i can't remember the name of it right now is amazing and it's yeah he had a feature with 50, 50 cent yeah yeah and yeah it's it's insane but he well, talks and about I, that on hot ones by the way yeah i'm gonna go watch that interview because yeah. my wife will love it because she has a huge crush on him but that's a whole other <laughs> we'll, we'll both love it for different reasons uh sure. but but yeah wrapping up uh it's been a great conversation. I feel like we could keep going in different directions. Uh, definitely. I do love that idea of, of one, one podcast, just about the infrastructure behind a concert, like all the restaurants and all like this whole economic economy. Thing flows, yeah. Yeah. Flows underneath it. Um, but the last two questions wrapping it up <laughs> uh, based off the, the podcast, live and create for you right now, how would you define living a great life? Uh, I don't know why that's such a hard thing to answer. Um, you know, I, I got married right before the pandemic happened. And, uh, so much of my happiness, I think is, you know, with my wife, I love that I get to spend be when I, when I do get to spend time with her and that's important to me. And so much of my life used to be how many shows can I get to on a Tuesday? <laughs> uh, but now it can be, you know, hanging out with my wife on a Tuesday at home, you know, grilling chicken and having a, a, a nice night at home. And there's a lot of happiness in that for me. And there's also awesome. the happiness of, and I've had this conversation with Jackie Becker from 11 Productions and Mammoth Productions. Like, I never want to get to a point in my life 
where when one of my favorite bands announces a show and I can't be excited about it. Hmm. And there's those moments of happiness too. When a band that you love or just heard of announces a show in your town, those are great moments of happiness. But, um, and I don't ever want to get away from that, but uh, the happiness that I have found through marriage has been awesome. And, um, you know, if, if you're both happy and there's enough, you know, to get you to the next month to the next thing that that's awesome. And I know it's been a hard time through COVID. I know personally, you know, I lost my job of 21 years and then uh, she lost her job and we've both uh, adjusted, adapted and got new gigs. And um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to the happiness thing. That's um, I, I, I know that I am happy. Yeah. And um I think surrounding yourself with good people is, is a huge part of that. I actually wanted to mention that earlier when we were talking about all the curation of stuff, how to put it all together. And so mm. much of life I think is surrounding yourself with the right people. Right. And um, it makes everything easier when, and better when you, the, the right people are around you and you know who to reach out to. And I think if anything, if you learned anything during COVID, that's probably one thing like, when you're not supposed to surround yourself with people, at least how you connect with the people you did typically surround yourself with. And then I think too, there's something to be said as we reemerge the, the order of people you try to reconnect with faster than others. Maybe those are your, are your tighter, your tighter circle of people who make you happy, but those deeper connections. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like the relationships, whether it's at a show or grilling chicken on a Tuesday, is right. is the key for you. That's cool. I love it. Yeah. And then the last question right now, how would you define creating great things? Well, I would like to think that the time of the lockdown and then just the time of less stuff, that that would lead to some creativity. But I also know from the series we're doing, this being in July on our on the eight one sixty on ninety point on the bridge, is that the lockdown also locked a lot of people down creatively too. And um, I, I that that I understand all that. And then at this point, I'm going to ask you to repeat the question. What was repeat? Uh, creating great things. How would you define creating great things? Well, I guess one, if you think it makes you happy. And then two, if it makes the people around you happy. And uh, one of the muralists that did uh, one of the murals for us down in the West Bottoms a couple weeks ago, you know, he said, at least it made a few kids happy. The mural he painted, because the day of the event, they were finishing their murals live. And then so many people took their pictures in front of the murals and then we had three of the four uh, muralists there and so they all got to engage with them and talk to them and I think there's a lot to be said about making anyone happy making a kid happy is cool too but uh, yeah, I think if it invokes if people find joy in whatever you're doing yeah, that that's a great thing right if you can create something from nothing and put it into this crazy world 
and somebody walks away and likes it or loves it, that's that's shouldn't that be the defining mark? I guess I don't know. Yeah, no, I love that, and that's one thing. As I think through my own goals and and uh, where I'm trying to take things, I I keep coming back to this idea of how do I create value? Like, what is the value that this is bringing to someone else, and then also me um, as you move forward? And and yeah, like to see people find impact from it or happiness or joy. I I think that's that's such a huge thing when it comes to creating. Yeah, I mean it's the same thing with when you start an event that has never existed or something and you build this thing and you put it out there in the world. And if, if it makes somebody happy, you know, whether that be the people that are coming to it as the crowd and they walk away happy, or if you're involved with the event, if you're a band playing at the event and you have this amazing moment, uh, all those things, the trickle down of happiness from something coming together is pretty cool. That's awesome, man. Well, thanks for sharing a lot of the wisdom and and your story on this. It was awesome, man. Yeah, I'm. I, I love this stuff, and I, you know, I'm not kissing your ass, but man, I, I I've said it to you before, and I've talked about you before, but like, what you do with this show, that your your podcast, what you did before, you interviewed me, like, yeah, it's been I don't even know four years ago, six, maybe. Yeah, five or six years. I didn't know Ben yeah. McBee. But he, he filmed it, and now I know Ben McVie. Yeah, and um, <laughs> we did it downstairs here at the station, in the main TV studio. I remember that Big Bird. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Big Bird. Yeah, he's still down there. Elmo's got a little, a lot of tape on his arm. Somebody must have busted Elmo's arm. <laughs> but uh, I have always appreciated your hustle, and your tenacity, and your brand, and the musicians and people you've surrounded yourself with, and people if there are young musicians listening to this you're a fine example of what people can listen to watch follow to maybe figure out their path and how to become a musician who can pay their bills at the end of the month and um but yeah just to throw that out there and give you some love because i remember the first day well, thank I met you man you. i remember the first day i met you and it was at uh pt's coffee okay and, um, is that the one out on uh, across from the noodles place? Uh, yeah, that. on the boulevard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, I didn't know you very well, and I had never booked you, worked with you, or played played your music. And then I remember just the passion you had, and the talking to you that day. And then ever since then, you know, I were we became friends. I think, and yeah. you've become a part of everything I've ever done. And I love that you're getting involved in the booking stuff and the promotion side and seeing that and learning the craziness of that world too. But uh, props to you, sir. And well, thank uh, you, man. I'm a fan that means a lot of to hear. you <laughs> and your hustle. And I do think the people are listening to this and you're a fine person to, for them to follow. So yeah. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Live and Create podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The Live and Create podcast.